0: Thank you for joining us for an episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane. My company is Voice Matters, and I am here as ever with my wonderful co-host, Karen Swim. She is the one that keeps us all together over at Solo PR Pro. But today, we are thrilled to be joined by a wonderful guest. We are joined today by Blake Hutchison. He is the CEO at Flippa.com, which is the world's largest marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. So, Solos, we're looking at you. Blake leads the team as they build out a product empowering exit and ownership for business owners and entrepreneurs globally. Prior to running Flippa, Blake has held leadership roles across multiple fast growth tech businesses across e-commerce and SaaS or SAS. I always mess that one up, but that's okay. I'm a professional. Hi, Blake. We're so thrilled to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, Karen. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat today.
2: Yeah, we are so excited. And Blake, um, Flippa has really been on the forefront of the part of the creator economy that people don't talk about, that there is this whole other trend that's happening. So we are so excited to learn from you and to, to talk about some of the things that you're seeing. And it's funny, one of the hot topics among our Solo PR Pro community was, you know, what would be a good exit strategy for our businesses? Because we're service businesses and people don't understand. So I know that our solos are going to tune in and we are going to be taking copious notes about you and what you're saying because you really are the leading expert.
1: Uh, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's really, really interesting time for for business owners of all sizes, but uh, you know, certainly small online business owners have a really unique opportunity right now because there's there's so much demand for uh, what, you know, what, as I was saying before, before the show, what we kind of describe as a, a new asset class. So most mm-hmm. online business owners don't think of them that way, but investors and buyers do. So it's a unique market.
2: I love that you are framing it that way because it really right. is these things that we build truly are assets. and. Yeah. I know we have a, a colleague that recently sold a long media company, a blog, and it was a labor of love initially. And over the years, she really built it up and she was able to sell it. And I think that we don't really think of that, especially if we, you know, been in, in business for a few years, because this is kind of on the newer end that we don't think of that being an asset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. I mean, I, if, if you're happy to, I'll give you a couple of examples Um, there was a a wonderful woman in Philadelphia, and she had a a crochet blog. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she and the crochet community would contribute content to this blog. And obviously, um, being about crochet, the content was about that. Uh, Now, she ran that for 17 years. And as you just described, Karen, it was a labor of love, right? So she was clearly passionate about crochet and had harnessed a great community who was equally passionate. Well, the reality is when you build something like that that's got a community uh, where there is a passionate usage, um, it's often revenue making and it's it's lucrative for the business owner. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing about that is not only is it lucrative for the business owner while they're running it, but it's potentially very lucrative when you exit. Um, now, of course, blogs come in all shapes and sizes. In her case, she sold for $90,000 24 hours after listing on Flipper, um, And that's pretty good. And then you get the other spectrum. We had a, a blog which was about privacy, like GDPR compliance, and had some articles on there that people would use to figure out how to set up their websites so you knew how to have the little allow cookies badge and those things that we see on websites these days. Anyway, that one was backed by Google AdSense Revenue. So you plug in the Google AdSense Pixel and Google will serve up the right ads. And that sold for $5.2 million. Um, So kind of gives you that spectrum, right? Um, but they're both blogs. They're both content websites. Uh, they both make money through advertising revenue, um, different shapes and sizes, but something for everyone. That,
0: that is incredible. Yeah.
2: That's incredible, and it gives hope to a lot of people in our business because we spend a lot of time creating content for our clients and thinking about all of the things SEO and traffic. But we can do those same things for our own content, and often we, you know, we're we're not we're not treating ourselves like a client, and it can make a nice little nest egg. And so it's a different way of thinking. So sometimes PR people think about. The client, the client book of business, is that something that someone would buy? But here's an entirely different path to revenue um, yeah. that you can really make money from. That That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what's really great about it? You know, people tend to run these things without necessarily thinking about an exit. Right. And so uh, they are genuinely cash flow generating businesses. And that's great. You get to pay yourself a wage. But... How good is it that after running it for X number of years, and in some cases it's two, in some cases it's 20, there's a little windfall for you at the end of it. And often, um, you know, global media, US media as well, will talk about unicorns and big tech founders and billionaires and those types of things. And the exit as a concept seems foreign to most people. Uh, But actually, most small businesses have really great inherent value and they are labors of love they're passion exercises and so buyers will see that they'll pay for that there's value in that and and we want we want people all over the world small business owners to recognize that what they're building actually has real value for somebody else and you can have a windfall
0: Definitely yeah. something to think about. And I think like Karen says, many of us in our line of work, we're just doing the work and we're not giving thought that someone might want to buy this or something that we're doing. Um, you know, since since the pandemic, we have to talk about the pandemic. Yeah. What changes have you seen? How has the pandemic impacted yeah. um transactions on Flippa?
1: Or yeah, it's a it's a really great question, Michelle. Um, in in some ways, uh it hasn't had an impact in the sense that the average age of an asset that sells on Flipper is four and a half years old. So to some extent those businesses existed pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side, some of those businesses saw um, a material increase in either traffic and or usage and or revenue Mm -hmm. through that period of time. And therefore they were able to use that groundswell of, um, attention, growth, however you want to describe it, as a means to um, sell for a higher price.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the other thing it's probably done is given a little more awareness um, to the asset class in general, because for a lot of people, um, particularly, you know, baby boomers and the older demographic, um, there wasn't necessarily as great an understanding of digital businesses, right? Right. So yeah. if you ask someone to draw a small business, they might draw a builder or they might draw a bakery, uh, yeah. they might draw a retail shop. Um, but actually, there's so many digital businesses. And so now you've got a broader appreciation for the fact that, you know, there's so many good quality digital businesses out there. Um, and so perhaps to answer the question, Michelle, it's just brought a greater appreciation for digital Um, And so as a result, people who might have been investing in other types of businesses are now considering this. Now, of course, what's happened in the last six months is you've got the inflation repressure, you've got the um, macroeconomic climate, uh, the geopolitical climate. And so people have found that the stock market, crypto and all these types of things are decreasing. Um, But interestingly, small businesses they were never overvalued in the first place. In fact, in many cases, they were disrespected.
0: Right. And yeah. so yeah.
1: it's not like um, valuations have changed much. So right. to some extent, what we've got is more buyers interested in the same assets. Um, hopefully yeah. that answers the question a little bit.
0: No, oh, that's incredible. That's so true, though. Yeah. We always kept it real about what we do and what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's no Have bloating you, in our market. No.
2: <laughs> Have you seen any categories that are, are trending?
1: Yeah, so, so certainly uh, it, it often comes down to consumer habit. And so clearly mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. the pandemic, um, there were great assets which went through material um, growth. And they would be, you know, things like home fitness, food, cooking blogs, all of the things you would expect that people are doing when they're, they're at home locked up, right? Um, and then when things open up again, it, it changes a lot. So the most popular categories um, change based on consumer habit. But, of course, post-pandemic, small travel oriented businesses peaked, right? And buyers love travel businesses and they love travel businesses because the transaction value on average is higher than other categories. Sure. Because, you know, you might buy a candle for $15 on a e-commerce business, but you might buy a holiday on a travel business for $2,500. So the unit economics for travel businesses tend to make sense for savvy buyers. And so we've seen a little bit of a spike and in interest in travel from a business model standpoint. Um, you know, blogs are always loved. And the reason being is people see them as passive income. Now, they're not passive. We know how hard it is to create content. Um, but they're more passive than other businesses like e-com where you've got to worry about supply chain and you've got to worry about pricing and these types of things. E-com is actually relatively sophisticated. We encourage people to know what they're doing before they go and buy an e-com asset, whereas content – you know, it, it's actually, while it's hard to produce great quality content, it's easy to understand the business model. So, oh, yeah. content assets have been hot and will continue to be hot. Um, of course, apps, right? So, what most people don't know is there's a $100 billion in transactional revenue that goes through the iOS app store every year, right? Wow. Uh, $100 billion. Now, of course, that's not all Apple's money. That's... Right. That's publishers, small business owners who own these apps. Of course, there's big ones, you know, Netflix and Spotify and all that stuff, but there's 6 million apps, right? And a lot of them are small business owners who have built these apps, and those apps um, obviously operate in a mobile ecosystem, and buyers have now recognised that, you know, all over the world, mobile is a very, very high-consumption device, and therefore people who use great apps aren't going anywhere. In fact, it's now more lucrative than ever before. So there's lots of buyer demand for apps.
2: Right. That right. makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I use a lot of apps and I also play games and I spend money on the games that I really, really love. And I always think about that when I'm making a purchase, like, God, I wonder how many people are doing this on a daily yeah. basis. A lot. Because it doesn't seem yeah. like much. You know, the, the fees are pretty small unless right. you're... A you know, ton of money, but when you t- multiply that, that's pretty big business. So, but I didn't realize it was a hundred billion dollars worth of business.
1: Yeah. And that's just Apple. I must admit, I don't know what the stats are for the Android ecosystem, but right. probably similar or maybe even bigger because more people yeah. probably actually have Android. So, yeah. you're talking about think about how many blogs there are in the world. I think there's a hundred million or something. Yeah. Um, it's like six million apps, and those six million apps are sharing in a hundred billion dollars in revenue. And so there's some really good ones out there. If you're a savvy buyer for anything between like $5,000 and $5 million, you can buy an extraordinary app that is cash flow generating yeah. and give you real return on that investment. So, this yeah. is what people are trying to get their head around right now. You know, where do you put your money in an asset class, which is actually generating real cash flow return?
0: Right. Yeah. exactly.
2: And we can't possibly let you leave. I've, I've heard you talk about talk about this and you, you have this saying that I really love about the difference between selling a business and running a business. Can you share your thoughts on, on, on that particular topic?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there's a couple of things, you know, the, the the phrase I, I use is that, you know, selling a business makes you right. You, when you run a business, you learn so much, you are a different person. It changes you running a business changes you. There's very few people in the world who can actually say, I've run a business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for all of those people who do that, and let's not forget that small businesses are the lifeblood of any great economy. Yeah. And so then there's a few people who sell. And it doesn't matter whether you sell for a small amount or a large amount. For the rest of your life, you can say, I've sold a business and know what that experience is like. And that makes you. You are a different person when you've learned how to sell a business. You need to understand the financials. You need to be able to negotiate. And ultimately, you get to see some money hit your bank account. And that is a windfall, be it very small or very large, it's a windfall. And so I believe that selling a business makes you because so few people in the world have ever done it and experienced it. Hmm. Now, what is really important for people to know is that when buyers look at your business, if it's a service business, if it's a blog, if it's e-com, doesn't really matter. What they're doing is they're going to pay you for the performance of the asset and they're also staring at future opportunity. And so what you've got to figure out is you've got to pitch what's happened but what also could happen. And the best way to do that, and most people never think about this, is explain all of the stuff you're really bad at. Ha, ha, ha.
0: I love it. And the reason
1: being is buyers are smart. So they say, Wow, you're doing a million dollars in revenue. Congratulations. And you've just told me you're really bad at these three things.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so now yeah. they
1: then say, I can then turn that asset into something better. Cause guess what? I'm actually good at two of those three things. That
2: so makes a lot of sense. Because you can see because it's you can see yeah. the potential, which is very different than you know, kind of hard assets that we see. Like I think about the experience when you're buying a house, you don't necessarily want to see the potential through the flaws. You want to see right. yourself living there as it is. But with a business, it's very different because you yeah. do want to purchase an asset that's going to grow, something that you can scale. So if somebody right. said, you know, I have you know a million dollars in revenue, and we have you know two point five million people that visit you know our site. But people have wanted an app and I just couldn't figure that part out and I'm terrible at marketing. Then your mind is like, (laughs) I'm great at marketing and I can get an app built through Upwork in about two minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 That is fantastic. Great stories around that. There was was an asset um, and what it enabled you to do, it was basically a blog, but you would upload a photo and it would watermark that photo for you, so people couldn't steal it, right? It was oh, genius. Uh, yeah, you could type in whatever the watermark was, and it would quickly apply it for you. And we were watching the comment, the the conversation play out, the negotiations on our platform because it all happens on there. And um, the buyer said, "So, how much do you charge per watermark?" And the guy said, "A dollar." And he said, "Okay." Um, and do you have like repeat customers? And he said, yeah, yeah, everyone comes back. And I could see the buyers thinking, so why don't you just charge 10 bucks a month, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and so buyers are thinking, oh, wow, this is crazy good because I get to buy this asset, which clearly customers like. But the guy's got no understanding of how to build a commercial model around it. Yeah. So he does, but he just hasn't thought that much about it. Right. But someone else comes in with a new perspective.
2: I love that. This is really exciting. And I, I know that my wells are turning, but I'm always (laughs) on the marketplace too. So I had a head start on some people because I've, I've learned a lot from just watching and, and there's just, sometimes I look at the businesses and I cheer the people. I'm like, that was brilliant. (laughs) Not necessarily the line that I want to go into, but geez, why didn't I say that? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. There's, um, I'm sorry to give you so many stories, but there was a, no, keep on uh, coming. <laughs> there was a, an individual and he bought a, um, a website, which was a jobs directory just for felons. Okay. So wow. it was called jobs for felons. There you go. Um, and he bought this asset and he found a community on Facebook and he said, well, Hey, do you mind if I post my site here? It's jobs for felons. And it looks like you're all talking about jobs for felons. So, um, and everyone said, "Yeah, post it in." And then, anyway, it then went viral, and he started all all these jobs started getting applied to this directory. And then, of course, the client, the felon, could apply for more jobs than they'd ever seen before, which is clearly a tough, mm. industry. yeah, um, and and time of your life. You know, you you need a job, and where do you go and find one? So the site okay. became a love affair for him, but it also became well, it was offering true value to a community that needed it. And he then sold that for $500,000 on Flipper, right? So wow. people need to think really creatively about niche. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Lots of good stuff out there.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, if you were to tell us one or two things that we should know before we sell a business about selling a business, what would that be?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first one is, It's a little bit like Shark Tank. (laughs) You have to understand your financials. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't understand your financials, it's hard for a buyer to understand whether it's a good asset for them to purchase. Mm
0: -hmm. They're
1: not doing it to be mean when they ask questions about, you know, why did revenue drop last month or, you know, why is your cost base up 20%? They're actually just trying to understand whether it's something they want to buy. Mm -hmm. So first thing is understanding financials. The best way to understand your financials is to use cloud accounting software, okay? Mm -hmm. So that could be QuickBooks Online. I couldn't care less what people use. QuickBooks Online, Mm -hmm. Sage, FreshBooks, Zero. go and find what's right for you. Um, Ask your accountant what they use and then, you know, make a decision that way. So understanding financials. The, The second thing is, as I alluded to before, don't be afraid to point out not only the strengths, but also the weaknesses and be mm-hmm. absolutely transparent around that because you'll find it actually works in your favour. Um, yeah. And then it's a little bit like a marriage. When you find, and we actually, from an engineering and product standpoint at Flipper, because we're a tech company, we actually study dating websites um, because they figure out, they've they figured out how to match people who have like yeah. interests, right? And so, when you meet a buyer on our platform, you need to understand that not only are they trying to figure out whether your business is good, but they're trying to figure out whether you're a trustworthy individual to buy an asset from. Mm -hmm. And they'll often need your help for the first 30 or 60, 90 days to ensure that the asset lands well. So, think about your personal brand and how you present yourself to prospective buyers because you're on show as much as the asset is.
2: I love that. That yeah that makes a lot of sense. yeah I've definitely. actually bought a business, so I've been on that side of the fence. um, and yeah, you know you do you have to to be able to understand the financial portion' the right questions and understand how to assess it. Um, but I'm looking forward to one day being on the other side where I'm selling a business too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know this has been really inspiring now I need to dive in a little deeper and you know because you just yeah. In your day-to-day you just get so stuck and not stuck but you know you're doing your thing and you don't even consider oh you know what Let's see what's out there so
1: you're helping uh,
2: yes. <laughs> to be great so.
1: <laughs> for the for the business owners out there um sometimes they forget that it's actually a great way to grow revenue
0: yeah right?
1: so yes. so what you're doing right now is you're paying facebook you're paying pinterest you're paying TikTok. You're creating content, which comes at a cost, be it time or, or money. Yes. And so that's great, right? Flipper does that too. I'm not suggesting we don't. We have our podcast and we write newsletters and we're, we're in the exact same boat. Um, but you can actually also, for a similar amount of money, think about what you might spend per month on customer acquisition and or creating content. And sometimes you can actually deploy that money and go and acquire an audience by acquiring a small business so let's say for argument's sake that you have someone who owns a laundromat and that person owns a laundromat and that laundromat is i'm making it up it's in los angeles um and they're like okay cool uh i can go and buy a blog which is about how you clean your clothes and how you keep your clothes looking good and fresh and all these types of things right i'm sure there's a blog about that um they can go and buy that audience and then utilize that site traffic to advertise their core business.
2: Yeah. Uh, G- yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so Google tells you that that, that blog is ranking well for um, how do I keep my white T-shirts clean?
0: Yeah.
1: And so as a result, I've then got a relevant audience consuming relevant content and it may be a leverageable audience for my core
2: business. That, that is, is brilliant. I think you just put some money in our pocket, so thank you for that.
0: <laughs> no, that is really,
2: brilliant.
0: Yeah, no, it really is inspiring, and uh, we hope our listeners have gotten a little bit of that fire after you've listened to this great time together with you, Blake. We really appreciate your time with us, and everyone out there, you can find Blake on Twitter at Flippa, literally at Flippa. Uh, LinkedIn at uh, Blake Hutchinson. Hutchison, making sure I'm speaking well at this point of the day. And um, now, but we really appreciate your time and your knowledge. This is just a whole new way of thinking about Running our businesses. So, um, if our listeners have any questions or comments, we definitely want to hear from you at soloprpro.com. Please do share this around because this episode especially is full of value. And until next time, we thank you for joining us on That Solo Life.